Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions of animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, travelers. My name is Stacia, your host. Thank you so much for listening to Humane Nature. I am uh, pretty excited about today's episode. Um, It's one that I've wanted to do for a while, but I started researching into it and never realized how big this actually was. Like I dove into this. It's a huge can of worms. Uh, But first, before we get started, uh, let's go over some news. So I don't have any personal news for you guys today. Uh, Nothing really big going on in my life. Just kind of chilling. It's great. (laughs) Spring is is here in Seattle and I'm very excited about it. I'm happy for the warmer weather. I'm happy for the sun. I'm very excited for the summer. Uh, No real travel plans coming up. I am um, planning out a really big uh, backpacking trip for my sister and I for next summer in Southeast Asia, but nothing really before then. So So first off in our travel news, we have um, this really kind of scary archaeological, oh my gosh, archaeological archaeologists, there we go, archaeologists unearthed a large trove of ancient relics in Egypt from the 5th century BC um, over the last couple of weeks. They include over 250 sarcophagi with well-preserved mummies inside and 150 bronze statues depicting various ancient Egyptian gods. Um, These these people uh, were thought to belong, uh, be officials from that time, um, so not exactly any pharaohs or pharaohs' wives, but like um, their advisors, their you know people who worked closely with them. Um, Egypt is hoping that this discovery, along with multiple other discoveries in this past year, will re-spark tourism for the country. And can I just say? Can we not? <laughs> um, I know for um, archaeology, this is a really big find. This is really huge. Uh, but this was literally like the plot of The Mummy, which is like, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, these sarcophagi were buried at the base of all of these like bronze god statues maybe we should leave them there or you know like even if we uh end up bringing tourists up there like make make the tomb safe for them to go see and and, but uh it's not the year and last year was not the year and they dug up a bunch last year and uh it's it's just not it's not the time for for a global mummy curse you know (laughs) Delta Airlines has announced it will be strategically decreasing, that is a direct quote, strategically decreasing flights over this coming summer. They plan to cut back 100 flights a day to, quote, minimize disruptions and bounce back faster when challenges occur. So this is thought to be because of overall staffing issues. Um, We all know that across the board, tourism and airlines have had really short staffing issues. So um, Delta is dramatically cutting back their flights uh, due to this. And this is not the first airline to announce this for this coming summer. JetBlue and Alaska Airlines are also cutting back flights. So it may not be the best summer to travel. Um, If you're in the United States, these are all, um, they are kind of international, some of these, especially Delta, but um, this is mostly affecting the United States and Latin America. So a study that was released showed that airlines mishandled 24% more bags in 2021 than in previous years. So this was, again, due to staffing shortages and downsizing across the board. Um, this 20, 24% um, includes more lost, damaged, delayed, and stolen luggage. 
And um, to put it in direct numbers, it was 4.35 bags per 1,000 passengers worldwide were mishandled. So passengers, not flights, passengers. So you think of the number of passengers on each plane, the number of planes going at a time. That is a lot of bags. The study did show that Envoy Air, followed by American Airlines, were the most likely to mishandle your bags. And uh, funnily enough, American Airlines owns Envoy. So uh, it looks like American Airlines and all of their kind of smaller local airlines that they own are going to be the are most likely to mishandle your bags, um, at least according to the study um, that studied flights in 2021. So take that with a grain of salt. Finally, some good news. The Grand Canyon is hosting its annual star party next weekend. So I did not know about this, and I would love to go someday. This happens every year. This week, it is occurring June 18th through 25th. Um, This includes free entry to the park, so free entry into the Grand Canyon National Park, starting at sunset. But they say that the best viewing hours um, will be after 9 p.m., And it's basically just this really big kind of stargazing event. Um, It's, I guess, when the sky really opens up and you can see the most stars um, this around this time every year. And they will have various other activities other than just the stargazing. Um, Although that would be enough for me to go that and the free entry to (laughs) to um, the Grand Canyon. They will also be hosting photography workshops for, um, you know, night sky photography, night photography, things like that, uh, telescope viewing, and various astronomy events. Okay, so we also have some wildlife uh, news for you guys. A pair of endangered peregrine falcons um, nested on the St. Albans Cathedral in England last month, and um, I was keeping an eye on that, uh, but the first of their chicks hatched last week. So, Super exciting. One cute little chick. Uh, I, I I highly encourage you to look up a picture. This chick is really, really cute. Um, this is the first peregrine falcon ever recorded to be born in the city. And uh, so the pair did lay two eggs. The second egg that was laid has not hatched yet, meaning that it likely won't um, because usually they hatch um, very, very close to the same time. And As it's been over a week, um, that second one probably was not um, totally fertilized is what the experts are saying. So, but they've got one little baby and he's super, super cute. Wildlife experts in the area are hopeful that the pair will continue to return to the same nest every year. So they did build this like little ledge, um, like protected ledge nest thing um, for them to nest on on the cathedral um, in order to help protect the nest from winds and everything and it's a really really great spot there's uh, ample food Um, it's very protected from the elements and peregrine falcons do mate for life and they typically do return to the same nesting spot every year so they are hopeful that we are going to continue to see these falcons nesting and being born um, right on the front of this cathedral Next, an area of New Mexico has been given national protection for its wildlife, volcanic cones, and mountain peaks that are sacred to the local indigenous tribes. So, super exciting for that. Um, I am very happy that we are starting to protect more areas that um, Native Americans here in in the U.S. and um, throughout Central Um, America that we are starting to protect more of their sacred grounds and um, they they definitely deserve it after everything that we've done. So if you checked today's topic and the title uh, we are going to be talking about walking with lions in Africa. So this is a really really big tourist draw in Africa so we're not necessarily talking about safaris where you go into like a jeep or car or whatever and you go out and you look at lions. These are very specific kind of tourist traps that um, you get to walk through 
kind of a natural area with a couple of lions with you and and like their um, kind of trainer nearby. And I thought this would be fairly straightforward. I thought this was going to be kind of like, you know, the lions aren't treated well and they're taken from the wild. So that's why you shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. I started looking into this and it opens up a whole can of worms. It is connected to so many other things. So we are going to be talking about more than just the walking with lions um, as far as animal tourism in Africa goes, because these are all interconnected and there's really no way to talk about one without talking about the other. So let's get started. Walking with lions is a major tourist route to many African countries, especially in South Africa. So South Africa is the biggest country for this. Tourists pay to go on, you know, 45 to an hour walk um, through kind of a wilderness area with a lion or two and a few handlers nearby. So across the board, from what I've seen, um, visitors are given rules such as, uh, you know, don't touch the lions, don't, you know, mess with them don't you know all that good stuff but they're also given rules such as don't panic don't run don't crouch and to stand your ground and protect yourself from the lions um no (laughs) um anywhere that you're going as a tourist and they're telling you that you may have to like protect yourself from the lions but you're paying to be with the lions is probably not a great place to be um but things like running away from the lions or crouching near them um that can trigger them to become territorial or attack um, because those are signs of aggression um or can trigger a um predator prey response in them the guards that you are walking with um they're kind of trainers and everything are armed but with sticks. That's right. Sticks. They're just, they just have a few sticks on them. Um, and they kind of push back the lions with those. So obviously, this can be extremely dangerous. And that is the draw for a lot of people. Um, a lot of, you know, adrenaline junkie types. And I do put myself in that category. I do love, you know, I have been bridge jumping. I've you know, done all these different things, but, um, this is a whole other level of dangerous. Um, this is wildlife. It could be very unpredictable and this is not something that we should be doing just on the basis of that. It is extremely dangerous. Africa's megafauna is one of the continent's biggest tourist draws and the closer tourists could get to the animals, the greater the thrill. Like I was just talking about kind of that adrenaline chunky thing. So Africa does have their, quote, their um, big five. Africa's big five in that um, relates to their megafauna that are there that most people really want to see whenever they go. Um, They include the African lion, African elephant, leopard, African buffalo, and the rhino. Um, So yes, the lion is up there and it is one of the uh, main animals that people want to see when they go. Um, And I completely understand that. I do want to see wild lions. I want to see I want to go on an African safari that's, you know, tippy top of my bucket list. But um, there is a right way and a wrong way to do that. Many of the very well-intentioned tourists, many well-intentioned tourists are the ones that end up on these lion walks um, because they believe these lies that they're spreading of conservation. So on these walks, often um, it's in like this kind of reserve area, uh, but it's not actually like they they're kind of posing as a nature reserve or preserve and they claim that the money that they raise goes back into conservation they are breeding lions to be released into the wild none of that is true i will say that again none of that is true in reality most of these lions on these walks are raised by lion farmers who sell them out for photos um, when they're babies so you get to kind of cuddle these lion cubs and take selfies with them. 
they grow out of that. And when they're adolescents, they go on these walks. And then when they get too big to control for that, they are often sent to um, slaughter, <laughs> either through the lion bone trade um, throughout Southeast Asia or canned hunting. And we will talk about canned hunting in the second part of this episode. Only about 75% of cubs taken from their mothers survive. So this is what happens on the farms. They they breed these animals like farm animals, like cattle. And um, as basically as soon as these cubs are born, they are taken away from the mothers. And, um, and then they are bottle raised um, to get them used to people. So cubs need something called colostrum from their very first feedings from their mothers to survive. Um, this is something that is in the first few feedings uh, in a mother's milk, um, and it contains essential antibodies needed for survival. And every mammal has this. So um, that is why um, babies, like human babies who are um, have to go to the NICU for whatever reason right away after birth and they don't get that first feeding, um, that's why a lot of the times they'll end up with some chronic health conditions because they didn't get any of that colostrum. Uh, and then some lion cubs also don't like feeding from a bottle compared to feeding from their mothers. And we see this especially um, from cubs who have had a feeding or two from their mothers and then are taken away and are tried to uh, be given a bottle. Hundreds of well-intentioned volunteers are used to care for these lions, which means free labor for these these lion farms. So hundreds and hundreds of very well-intentioned. I don't blame them for this at all. They're doing it because they love wildlife. They want to help. They're being fed all these lies about um, these farms contributing to conservation or how these cubs were orphaned big air quotes around orphaned from their mothers when in reality they were stolen and uh, many of these volunteers even pay in order to come and volunteer Um, and they they come to volunteer to feed and socialize with these again quote orphaned cubs um, after they are taken from their mothers anywhere you go remember to always check for actual numbers and data about conservation claims. So this can be if you're going as a volunteer, this could be if you're going just as a tourist um, to go check out the animals. Um, If their conservation claims are not backed up by numbers, and they will have those numbers up if it is true. If they're talking about, we will do this, we will do that, this is what we are going to do. Those aren't numbers. Um, only go somewhere where their claims are actually backed up by by data, by science, by numbers. Uh, for example, a really big company that is doing this and, and luring people in to volunteer and making all these conservation claims that they can't back up is um, they're called ALERT, A-L-E-R-T, and it stands for African Lion Environmental Research Trust. It is a nonprofit lion, quote, rehabilitation group that was founded in 1999, but has yet to release a single lion to the wild. Uh, so the basically this big overarching company is a nonprofit, but they have dozens of subgroups that are not nonprofits. And that's that's how they get you. <laughs> they um, the the zoos and and farms and things that they run are not nonprofits. Actual stats do show a buildup of cubs um, where the most money is made. So they really um, push out all of these cubs and most of their money is being made through, you know, tourists coming in to cuddle these lion cubs and feed these lion cubs and take care of them. Because they're, they're so cute. Like, I, I get it. Um, a large number of deaths occur with the lions in what they call the middle stage, um, which is kind of like the adolescent stage. So the walking, um, the walking age. And uh, if they do get to reach adulthood, um, they are often sent to be bred. 
Alert denies to this day of any sale of lions to canned lion hunting and is adamant on their plan to release lions to the wild. However, no releases have been happen have happened since its foundation in 1999. So we're looking at 23 years and there has not been a single lion released to the wild from them. Other employees and volunteers have come out and spoken out about they're witnessing um, sales of lions to canned lion hunting. The company also submits invoices under the name Bow Tracker Safaris, which is a trophy hunting com- company. So let's explain that. Like you're submitting invoices and submitting payments under the name Bow Tracker Safaris, which is a trophy hunting company that hunts lions. Dr. Luke Hunter, uh, who is a biologist with with Panthera, um, has also stated in a previous interview, he said, quote, the great nonsense behind schemes like alerts is that they are simply unnecessary. If the objective is to truly restore lion populations, translocation of wild lions has over 20 years of experience showing it works. It is less expensive and it carries less risk for both lions and humans than using captives. Alerts pseudoscientific reports, which they can only publish on their website and not in the scientific literature, are simply not credible. And I completely agree. They have no science. They have no data. Um, they're using lures to, to attract tourists and to earn money. Alert has two African lion parks in Zambia. So just keep an eye out for those. So doing a quick Google search, you can find dozens of walking with lions tours and locations throughout African countries uh, for around 150 US dollars a walk. So that's kind of the, the general um, cost that I've seen. And again, uh, with Dr. Luke Hunter, yeah, Dr. Luke Hunter again, um, so he is an Australian biologist and big cat ecologist, did an interview with the Matador Network website, uh, where I'm getting these quotes from, stating that he has three main problems with lion parks. Number one, there's no evidence that they're succeeding in release conservation programs. He says, quote, They've spent however many millions of dollars charging folks like you to go and cuddle their lion cubs, and they haven't released a single lion. Two, they're misleading tourists. He says, quote, almost every consumer is told that it's about that it's all about conservation and the majority of those visitors want to feel like they are making a, contrib- a contribution to uh, conservation. Most tourists do not understand that there is simply no conservation value in it. And number three, it isn't where the money should be going. He says, quote, it potentially distracts from the enormous real conservation needs for what should be taking place with wild lion populations. So let's dive a little deeper into lion farmers and what they do, what they are, and how this um, relates to the walking with lions. So lion farmers have captive lions who breed and then have cubs. These lion cubs are taken from their mothers and then hand-reared to get them used to humans. Um, As they get older and the ones that are adults and breeding are typically beaten and drugged into submission, hand-reared cubs raised in this way actually cannot be reintroduced into the wild, even if they are rescued later in life away from these um, kind of tourist traps. So many of these cubs often have deformities from severe inbreeding and behavioral issues from being hand-reared and continuously around people. This is a really big deal. So where um, evolutionary biology is not doing its thing here. Um, They're not allowing the lions to breed, naturally select who they want to breed with um, in order to promote healthier genes and you know, in the wild, a sick lion isn't isn't going to be able to make babies. So I 
for a little while. I did work with a veterinary neurologist um, with while I was, you know, was a vet tech. And um, there was a kind of a um, big cat park. Um, this was in Sarasota, Florida. So there was a big cat park in the area where they would like rescue big cats, um, mostly tigers, but they did have like lions and servals and jaguars and things like that. And um, from breeders or from private collectors or from, you know, various bad situations. And there were a handful of um, tigers that were brought into this neurologist that I worked with because um, to get checked out because they had so many issues, so many neurological problems from inbreeding. Um, it was it was awful. I've seen tigers and these large cats like have seizure disorders. I've seen them have um, where they're just like walking in circles and they can't get out of it because there's, you know, something going on in their head. And this is what's happening with these lions as well. Um on an even bigger on an even bigger scale. So adult female lions are able to breed again much earlier than if they had raised the cubs th- themselves, providing a larger supply of cubs for the farmers. So another reason why other than just taking the cubs to hand rear them so that they're more used to people and to take the selfies and snuggle or whatever. If a lion, if a female lion is not uh, feeding cubs, if it is not breastfeeding, I say breastfeeding, that's, you know, humans, but you know what I mean? If, if a cub is not drinking her milk, she becomes fertile again, much, much quicker. We're talking months to years quicker than if she actually raised these cubs herself. And, uh, then she's able to get pregnant again much easier and much earlier and the cycle continues. So evolutionary biologist Peter Catt describes this process as a, quote, conveyor belt production of animals, end quote. So that's really, really awful. Euthanasia of healthy adult lions in South Africa is legal. So they do often euthanize less than suitable, quote unquote, trophy lions for the lion bone trade. Um, And lion and tiger bones are used in traditional Asian medicine. Um, A lot of the times these lion bones are labeled as tiger bones um, because they are um, what's more, more valuable in in traditional Asian medicine, but um, for female, like infertile females or males that don't have these large bushy manes that trophy hunters want, um, they're the ones who are euthanized and um, are used in the lion bone trade. An estimated 160 to over 200 lion farms in South Africa exist. Um, However, the real number is not known um, because they don't really need any kind of licensing to do this. Lions are pretty often kept in very poor conditions and many of them actually end up starving to death. There are extremely crowded, unhygienic conditions um, that they're living in. And this does promote the spread of disease, including zoonotic diseases, Um, which can be spread to humans in close contact. So zoonotic diseases, I have talked about this before, is a disease that is spread from animals to humans or humans to animals. It can be spread back and forth. And uh, COVID-19 was and is a zoonotic disease. Um, So it's something that we're spreading back and forth with animals and more than likely caught to begin with from an animal. And there are many zoonotic diseases that um, can be spread this way from just really crowded, unhygienic conditions with these with these lions. A 2012 report from Panthera, which is a wildcat specialist group. Um, they're really, really great. Um, it's P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A. I highly encourage you to check them out. Um, the study revealed that commercial lion encounter and breeding programs are misleading the public in their role of lion conservation. This uh, report was authored by a panel of lion conservationists and wildcat biologists. 
it states that impoverished settings, um, these overcrowded, poor, unhygienic conditions, lead to, quote, maladaptive behaviors, making them unreleasable. So even if these cubs were not hand-reared, even if they didn't interact with people all that much, the fact that they are living in these impoverished settings, the fact that um, they're trapped in really crowded, really unhygienic conditions, and many of them are starving, they're unreleasable simply because of that, um, even if they are rescued. Some of these maladaptive behaviors that they have observed include males killing adult females for no reason and a very high cub mortality rate due to failing to thrive, which is a thing, um, and then killed by other pride females, which is very unusual in the wild. Um, Usually, if a cub is being killed by um, an adult, it is by a male um, if they are taking over um, the pride and they kind of kill off the previous male's cubs, which does happen, uh, but it is extremely rare for females to kill to kill cubs. The lions um, also become too used to humans, being select, and then they are selected for their tolerance to humans rather than the natural selective process, as we discussed. So instead of selecting for um, for health or for looks or for um, different things like we do with animals such as dogs and horses, um, they're being selected for their tolerance to people. And this is leading to a lot of really, really rough um, genetic issues within these lions. All right, so I am going to go to break. um, And when I get back, we will talk about canned lion hunting, which is awful. Um, some lion fun facts, and I've got a a bit of an announcement from South Africa, um, according to this. Have you ever encountered a situation while traveling where you felt a little uncomfortable? Yeah, us too. Each week, Unpacked by AFAR will unpack a single ethically complex question. Say... How can I travel with a lighter footprint without spending hours researching zero-waste travel hacks? Or, I know I can't ride an elephant, but can I swim with dolphins? When it comes to animal tourism, how do I figure out what's okay and what's not? Through a mix of first-person stories and interviews with experts in the field, Unpacked will explore answers to those questions and offer new ways to engage with the places we visit and the people we meet. Because the world is complicated. Being an ethical traveler doesn't have to be. Check out Unpacked by AFAR, launching mid-June wherever you get your podcasts. As a budget traveler, finding affordable yet safe accommodation while traveling can be daunting. There have literally been horror movies made about bad hostels and hotels. I always use Hostel World to book my hostels around the world. With over 36,000 listed hostels in 180 countries around the world and 13 million verified reviews, I can trust that whatever room I book through Hostel World will be clean, affordable, and most importantly, safe. Book your first hostel with Hostel World using the link in the description. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to those. Uh, let's jump right back into it. So canned lion hunting is not something that I knew existed before this. It is awful. Um, so just giving you guys another content warning before we start. Um, yeah, so if you don't want to hear about this, um, I'll see you next time, I guess. <laughs> So canned hunting um, in general, um, not just lions, but canned hunting is defined as, quote, a trophy hunt in which an animal is kept in a confined area, such as a fenced in area, increasing the likelihood of a hunter obtaining a kill, end quote. So this is quite literally like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, This eliminates the possibility of a fair chase, um, any chance of escape. And 
this activity is the most lucrative in South Africa and the United States. So yay, United States. Canned hunting is banned or restricted in 20 U.S. states for its connection to animal abuse. It is not illegal federally. So it this is like a state state by state thing. Both avid hunters and animal welfare groups criticized the act, including the Humane Society of the United States and uh, hunting groups such as Pope and Young Club and the Boone and Crockett Club. So those are both hunting groups um, and they condone it. So the hunting groups um, that do not allow canned hunting um, or or don't approve of it, do not allow canned hunting kills in their record books, um, which is a really, really big deal. Canned lion hunting is technically illegal in South Africa. However, captive bred lion hunting was not illegal until, well, I guess it's still not illegal. Um, Yeah, still not illegal. Uh, But they did make an announcement um, last year, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, As a result, most canned lion hunting farms in South Africa breed their lions on site to remain legal. And many of these are purchased from um, farms that do the lion walks and the lion selfies and things like that. There are about a thousand canned hunting farms in the U.S., with over 500 in Texas alone. Um, Not all of these are lions, but shockingly, we do have canned lion hunting in the United States. There are between 160 to over 200 in South Africa, with an estimated 7,000 to 12,000 lions captive on um, on these farms. Hunters will pay to shoot male lions with full manes um, from 30000 to 55000 U.S. dollars um, per cat, while females go for less than $6,000. So most of these um, trophy hunters want a big male, and they want a male with a really full mane. And uh, some of these hunting packages, so that they're, you know, paying the thirty dollars to $55,000 to hunt a male lion... Um, include room and board. So they really want these hunters out there. Some hunters argue that canned hunting helps fund conservation efforts and keeps wild lions in the wild. However, there have been no, there has been no drop in hunted wild lion numbers um, with these canned hunting areas. Um, So there, there is no proof that canned hunting does help um, wild conservation efforts. (laughs) There is also internet canned hunting. That's right. Internet canned hunting that has become popular, um, not always with lions, and it's most popular in the United States. Animals are lured into position by food. Um, So you've got like these feeding stations and things. And then shot by a mounted gun controlled by someone on a computer. So these people hunt with a click of their mouse. Um, they don't have to line up the gun. They don't have to pull the trigger. They could do it from hundreds of miles, hundreds of thousands of miles away. And that's just totally barbaric to me. Um, this can cost more than, uh, $1,500, 1500 us dollars to hunt online and receive the trophy. So much cheaper to do it this way. And you do it from your computer. Uh, but That is such a cowardly move to me. Um, Awful. Internet hunting is banned in 38 U.S. states. Um, But it's it's one of those things that's hard to enforce. So in 2021, South Africa, um, the South African government did release this announcement. Um, They decided to end its entire multi-million dollar captive lion industry. So this includes... um, breeding farms. Um, This includes canned hunting. This includes the walking with lions. This includes the cub selfies. However, this has yet to be made into law. Um, This will end the legal keeping and breeding of lions in captivity, the sale of bones and various other lion parts, such as their skin um, and mane, and canned hunting. 
Um, there are worries that this will fuel the illegal lion trade and move tourists to other countries for captive lion entertainment. Um, so we really need to just put a ban on all of it. Um, lions in reality, wild lions, do not need our help with breeding. They do not need help with breeding projects. They breed just fine on their own. Um, their numbers would be fine if it weren't for illegal hunting um, and capturing wild lions for captivity. So if we just left them alone, they would be fine. <laughs> so that is what we just need to do. Um, and then South Africa, I looked... Um, poured through the internet. I could not find any other announcement uh, since this 2021 announcement or any real move to make this kind of announcement into into law. So um, these things are still going on in South Africa and they are still technically legal. Okay. <laughs> um, so wild lions. Uh, let's talk about some of the wild lion statistics. Uh, their populations were over 100,000 in the wild about 50 years ago. Now there are fewer than 30,000 wild lions with only a quarter of them. Um, or I, sorry, there are fewer than 30,000 lions and they inhabit only about a quarter of the habitat that they had as before. So we're encroaching on their habitat. Um, 40% of these wild lions are in Tanzania. Um, with most other countries having fewer than 1,000 wild lions. Lions are listed as vulnerable on the IUCN red list, uh, with populations declining even in protected areas. So areas that are supposed to protect lions, their populations are declining for various reasons. And lions are a keystone species. And what that means is their extinction, their disappearance would completely devastate entire ecosystems throughout the entire continent of Africa. Um, it would, it, we wouldn't just be losing lions. We would lose dozens of different um, species. We would, it would be a big snowball effect um, in, in what would happen if we lost the African lion. Um, this would also be a very huge economic blow to countries in Africa dependent on ecotourism. Um, and ecotourism and wildlife tourism is a really, really, really big draw in African countries. And uh, there are ethical ways to do it. And we just need to uh, push for that and, and get rid of these things that are, are holding, holding us back. So here's what you can do. Avoid any destinations that promote or advertise petting cubs, lion selfies, walking with lions, or canned trophy hunting. So even if you are not directly participating in it, don't go to any like resorts, don't go to any parks, don't go to any of these places that offer these things. Um, don't give them your money. Avoid volunteering at any destination that has lion cubs. As much as we all love to see lion cubs, as much as we love to see the babies, these are likely farms posing as a sanctuary. And um, rem if you heard um, my previous episode, episode 11, um, titled, um, where I talk about AZA zoos and sanctuaries, True sanctuaries do not participate in breeding programs ever. So AZA zoos will, um, but as far as I know, I, I do not believe there are any AZA accredited zoos in, in any African country. And sanctuaries, like actual sanctuaries, will not breed the lions. They will just let them be. Contact the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and urge them to raise the lion's sta status to endangered. If they are listed as endangered rather than vulnerable, this will make import trophies illegal in the United States and cut down on hunting. So Americans, shocker, are some of the 
like are the most likely people that you're going to see trophy hunting these lions and, and going to these canned, um, canned hunting areas. So if we um, raise their status to endangered because they their population is declining, um, this will help that. Support international efforts throughout Europe to get a ban on trophies. So there are some efforts throughout Europe, but we want lion trophies banned across the board. Don't purchase souvenirs, traditional medicine, jewelry, or other crafts made from lion bones, skins, other parts. Um, even if it like looks really funny, if it's kind of kitschy, if it, you know, if there's a chance that it actually has lion, like actual lion parts in it, don't purchase it. And also remember, no ethical sanctuary or zoo will allow any contact with big cats. So don't go anywhere that is going to give you direct contact with these cats. It's dangerous for you. It's dangerous for them. Instead, visit Africa's protected areas and go on safari tours that respect the wild lion's distance. So wild lions have gotten used to people Um which is fine. This is very different than hand-rearing these cubs to make them dependent on people. But um, lions on like African safaris are very used to seeing um, the safari tours go by, used to seeing people go by, and they're just kind of unbothered by it now. Um, but they are free to walk away, run away, whatever, if they don't want to be looked at. But um, for the most part, it's just kind of their world now and they're very much used to it. But you want to go on these tours that very much keep their distance. Um, so you can see, uh, I would much rather see a lion in the wild anyway. Um, I don't want to see like the lions in, in captivity. If I could just, especially if like right next door is a, is a safari company that could take me out to go see wild lions. Um, and finally, continue to push South Africa and other African countries to put captive lion program bans into law and actually enforce them. Um, yep, so that's what you can do. Um, remember, many of the people working at these destinations, at the walking with lion destinations, at the cub places, um, they have bought into the lie. They do believe that they are doing good for the lions um, for the most part. It's really just the higher ups that, um, you know, don't even really have contact with the lions who are who, who know what's going on. Um, many of these volunteers and, and employees are not trained scientists or conservationists. Um, they're like you and me where we just really love wildlife and we want to do something. A 2007 study showed that lions are unsuitable for captivity in general due to their large home ranges in the wild. And it is especially difficult to hand rear lion cubs. So and this study looked at AZA accredited zoos. They looked at um, areas that have millions of dollars to pour into these lions that um, can't be released to the wild for whatever reason. Um, and... They're in the best home in captivity possible, and they're still not really doing very great. So um, this really is a species that really, really does best in the wild, and we need to leave them there. I highly recommend you guys read the book called Cuddle Me, Kill Me by Richard Pierce. Um, it is a book that I read um, as part of this research. It tells very detailed stories that he, either he observed or interviewed others who observed um, the process of taking cubs from farmers and hand rearing them for tourism. So this could be for photo tourism, walking tourism, canned hunting tourism. Um, so I will link that in the uh, description. Um, very great book. I highly recommend it. So let's talk about some lion fun facts. Um, lions are the only cats that live in families in the wild. So, and we call these families prides. So other cats are mostly solitary. Um, tigers, leopards, all of those um, other big cats are solitary and lions live in very large families. 
They are the second largest of the big cats. Um, the first largest is the tiger. And yep, they fall under them. Funnily enough, we call lions kings of the jungle, but they don't live in the jungle. This has bothered me since I was a kid. Uh, lions live in the savanna and uh, tigers live in the jungle. Panthers and jaguars live in the jungle. Um, lions do not. They don't live anywhere near the jungle. They live in the savanna. Female lions live together for life and stay with their pride that they were born into. Um, males leave to establish their own prides or fight to take over a pride. And we kind of touched on this earlier. When a male takes over a pride, they often kill the cubs that have already been born to ensure that only their cubs and their genes survive. Um, and that's, you know, that's rough. Um, but this does not happen very often. Lions have the loudest roar of any cat species and can be heard from eight kilometers or five miles away. Males are larger than females and typically weigh 180 to 200 kilograms, which is uh, 400 to 450 pounds. Females are the main hunters and often hunt in a group. So lions, um, the males are typically the lazy ones. They kind of establish their dominance. They mate with all the females um, to, to bear cubs. And the females are the ones that take care of the cubs. And then they go out and hunt and, and provide food for the entire group. Um, they are considered vulnerable, um, but we are trying to push for them to labeled as endangered we don't want them to be endangered but we want them labeled as endangered so that they can get more protections lions uh, sleep up to 20 hours a day which is pretty typical for just cat species across the board i'm looking at my cat right now who's passed out next to me <laughs> um there are very few truly wild lions left most lions who are left are either captive bred or live on reserves. Um, lions on reserved are kind of like they're considered wild. That is what we consider a wild lion. Uh, but they do have more contact with humans than those in like the true wilds of Africa. Um, but the lions that are the safest are going to be the ones on these uh, protected reserves. So... Uh, that is all I have for you today. Uh, remember, after every um, podcast episode and blog article that I post, I put, um, you know, pictures um, on my Instagram page. Um, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Stumble Safari. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook um, where I talk about um, various other travel and wildlife things going on um at stumble safari for both you can also email me or um tag me on social media or email me for any topics you guys would like covered um or you know if you just want to say hi <laughs> i love to meet you guys um my email is stacia at stumble safari.com and next week i or in two weeks, my next episode, um, I will be doing a very special Wildlife Warriors episode for Pride Month this month. So I will hear you guys next time. Sources for today's show can be found in the link in the description. Thanks for listening.